Section 6 of A Description of Millennium Hall and the Country Adjacent by a Gentleman on His Travels. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Description of Millennium Hall and the Country Adjacent by Sarah Scott. The History of Miss Mansell and Mrs. Morgan, Part 4. In the afternoon before we rose from table, four ladies came to drink tea with this admirable society. No addition was necessary to render the conversation amusing, but the strangers seemed to look on the ladies of the house with such gratitude and veneration, and were treated by them with so much friendly politeness, as gave me pleasure. I found by the various inquiries after different persons that these visitors likewise lived in a large society. When they rose up to take leave, Miss Trentham proposed to walk part of the way home with them. No one objected to it, for the evening was inviting, and they had designed to spend it in the park, through which these ladies were to pass. For Lady Mary observed that after having shown us the beauties of the place, they ought to exhibit the riches of it. The park is close to one side of the house. It is not quite three miles round. The inequality of the ground much increases its beauty, and the timber is remarkably fine. We could plainly perceive it had been many years in the possession of good economists, who, when prompted by necessity, did not think the profit that might arise from the sale a sufficient inducement to deprive it of some fine trees, which are now decaying but so happily placed that they are made more venerable and not less beautiful by their declining age. This park is much ornamented by two or three fine pieces of water. One of them is a very noble canal, so artfully terminated by an elegant bridge, beyond which is a wood, that it there appears like a fine river vanishing from the eye. Mrs. Morgan stopped us in one spot, saying from hence, as Lady Mary observed, You may behold our riches, that building, pointing to what we thought a pretty temple, which perhaps you imagine designed only for ornament or pleasure, is a very large pigeon-house that affords a sufficient supply to our family, and many of our neighbors. That hill on your right hand is a warren prodigiously stocked with rabbits. This canal and these other pieces of water, as well as the river you saw this morning, furnish our table with a great profusion of fish. You will easily believe, from the great number of deer you see around us, that we have as much venison as we can use, either in presents to our friends or our own family. Hares and all sorts of game likewise abound here, so that with the help of a good dairy, perhaps no situation ever more amply afforded all the necessaries of life. These are indeed our riches here. We have almost everything we can want, for a very small proportion of that expense which others are to procure them." "'Such a situation,' said I, "'would be very dangerous to many people, "'for if, as some have supposed, "'and in that regard to a great part of the world, "'I fear with truth, mutual wants, "'or the great bands of society a person thus placed, "'would be in danger of feeling himself "'so independent a being as might tempt him "'to disclaim all commerce with mankind, "'such he could not be benefited by them. "'He would look on himself in the light "'of a rich man gaming with sharpers, "'with a great probability of losing "'and a certainty of never being a gainer.' "'I do not think the danger,' replied Lady Mary, "'so great as you imagine, "'even though we allow that society arises from the motive you mention. "'However fortune may have set us above any bodily wants, "'the mind will still have many which would drive us into society. "'Reason wishes for communication and improvement. "'Benevolence longs for objects on which to exert itself. "'The social comforts of friendship are so necessary to our happiness "'that it would be impossible not to endeavour to enjoy them.' 
in sickness the languor of our minds makes us wish for the amusements of conversation in health the vivacity of our spirits leads us to desire it to avoid pain we seek after corporeal conveniences to procure pleasure we aim at mental enjoyments and i believe if we observe the general course of men's actions we shall see them at least as strongly actuated by the desire of pleasure as by the fear of pain though philosophers who have formed their judgments more on reason than the knowledge of mankind may have thought otherwise i think said mrs morgan somebody has asserted that he who could live without society must be more than a god or less than a man the latter part of this assertion would have held good had he carried it farther and said lower than a brute for there is no creature in the universe that is not linked into some society except we allow the existence of that exploded and unsociable bird the phoenix i am surprised interrupted lamont to hear ladies who seclude themselves from the world in this solitary though beautiful place so strongly plead for society do you then replied miss mansell mistake a crowd for society i know not two things more opposite how little society is there to be found in what you call the world it might more properly be compared to that state of war which hobbes supposes the first condition of mankind the same vanities the same passions the same ambition reign in almost every breast a constant desire to supplant and a continual fear of being supplanted keep the minds of those who have any views at all in a state of unremitted tumult and envy and those who have no aim in their actions are too irrational to have a notion of social comforts the love as well as the pleasures of society is founded in reason and cannot exist in those minds which are filled with irrational pursuits such indeed might claim a place in the society of birds and beasts though few would deserve to be admitted amongst them but that of reasonable beings must be founded in reason what i understand by society is a state of mutual confidence reciprocal services and correspondent affections where numbers are thus united there will be a free communication of sentiments and we shall then find speech that peculiar blessing given to man a valuable gift indeed but when we see it restrained by suspicion or contaminated by detraction we rather wonder that so dangerous a power was trusted with a race of beings who seldom make a proper use of it you will pity us perhaps because we have no cards no assemblies no plays no masquerades in this solitary place the first we might have if we chose it nor are they totally disclaimed by us but while we can with safety speak our own thoughts and with pleasure read those of wiser persons we are not likely to be often reduced to them we wish not for public assemblies because we do not desire to drown conversation in noise the amusing fictions of dramatic writers are not necessary where nature affords us so many real delights and as we are not afraid of showing our hearts we have no occasion to conceal our persons in either to obtain either liberty of speech or action what a serious world should we have madam replied lamont if you were to regulate our conduct by no means sir answered miss mansell i wish to make only these alterations to change noise for real mirth flutter for settled cheerfulness affected wit for rational conversation and would but have that degree of dissipation banished which deprives people of time for reflection on the motives for and consequences of their actions that their pleasures may be real and permanent and followed neither by repentance nor punishment i would wish them to have leisure to consider by whom they were sent into the world and for what purpose and to learn that their happiness consists in fulfilling the design of their maker in providing for their own greatest felicity and contributing all that is in their power to the convenience of others you see madam answered lamont to choose to make us all slaves to each other no sir replied miss mansell i would only make you friends 
those who are really such are continually endeavouring to serve and oblige each other this reciprocal communication of benefits should be universal and then we might with reason be fond of this world but said lamont this reciprocal communication is impossible what service can a poor man do me i may relieve him but how can he return the obligation it is he answered miss mansell who first conferred it in giving you an opportunity of relieving him the pleasure he has afforded you is as far superior to the gratification you have procured him as it is more blessed to give than to receive you will perhaps say of him as the apothecary in romeo and juliet does of himself and tell me that his poverty and not his will consents so let it be and do you pay his poverty and not his will but certainly the highest satisfaction is on your side and much obliged you are to that poverty which enables you to obtain so great a gratification but do not think the poor can make no adequate return the greatest pleasure this world can give us is that of being beloved but how should we expect to obtain love without deserving it did you ever see any one that was not fond of a dog that fondled him is it impossible to be insensible of the affection of a rational being if mr lamont said one of the visitors has not so high a sense of the pleasure of being gratefully loved and esteemed we ought not to blame him he perhaps like the greatest part of the world has not sufficiently tried it to be a proper judge miss mansell is certainly very deep in this knowledge and her opinion may be received as almost an infallible decision since it is founded on long experience and how nobly does she calm the eager wishes of impotent gratitude in declaring herself to be the most benefited when she confers obligations this was uttered with so much warmth and accompanied by looks so expressive of affection and grateful sensibility that i plainly saw it proceeded from something more than mere speculative approbation lamont declared that he was well convinced of the justness of what miss mansell had said at first it appeared rather a sentiment uttered in sport than an opinion which could be proved by argument but that a little reflection on one's own sensations would afford sufficient conviction of the truth of her assertion and that the general errors of the conduct of mankind plainly evinced they were of the same opinion though they often mistook the means for what continued he do people ruin themselves by pomp and splendour hazard their lives in the pursuits of ambition and as shakespeare says seek the bubble reputation even in the cannon's mouth but to gain popular applause and esteem for what do others throw away their time in useless civilities and politely flatter all they meet but in hopes of pleasing even those who make it their business to slander merit and exaggerate the faults of others do it from a desire of raising themselves in the opinion of mankind by lowering those who may be brought into comparison with them during this conversation we had advanced within a field of the house and the ladies stopped to take their leave saying as the evening was far too advanced to suffer them to make any stay with their good friends they would not disturb them by just entering their doors but as some parley ensued several ladies who had seen us from the windows ran out just to pay their compliments to the worthy inhabitants of millennium hall the pleasure of this short meeting seemed reciprocal and both sides appeared unwilling to part but the setting sun admonished us to return the house to which we had so nearly approached was a very large old mansion and its inhabitants so numerous that i was curious to know how so many became assembled together mrs maynard said that if she did not satisfy my inquiries i was in great danger of remaining ignorant of the nature of that society as her friends would not be easily prevailed with to break silence on that subject 
these ladies said she long beheld with compassion the wretched fate of those women who from scantiness of fortune and pride of family are reduced to become dependent and to bear all the insolence of wealth from such as will receive them into their families these though in some measure voluntary slaves yet suffer all the evils of the severest servitude and are i believe the most unhappy part of the creation sometimes they are unqualified to gain a maintenance educated as is called genteely or in other words idly they are ignorant of everything that might give them superior abilities to the lower rank of people and their birth renders them less acceptable servants to many who have not generosity enough to treat them as they ought and yet do not choose while they are acting the mistress perhaps too haughtily to feel the secret reproaches of their own hearts Possibly pride may still often reduce these indigent gentlewomen into this wretched state of dependence, and therefore the world is less inclined to pity them, but my friends see human weakness in another light. They imagine themselves too far from perfection to have any title to expect it in others, and think that there are none in whom pride is so excusable as in the poor, for if there is the smallest spark of it in their compositions, and who is entirely free from it, the frequent neglects and indignities they meet with must keep it continually alive. If we are despised for casual deficiencies, we naturally seek in ourselves for some merit to restore us to that dignity in our own eyes which those humiliating mortifications would otherwise debase. Thus we learn to set too great a value on what we still possess, whether advantages of birth, education, or natural talents, anything will serve for a resource to mortified pride. And as everything grows by opposition and persecution, we cannot wonder if the opinion of ourselves increases by the same means." to persons in this way of thinking the pride which reduces many to be what is called with too little humility toad-eaters does not render them unworthy of compassion therefore for the relief of this race they bought that large mansion they drew up several regulations to secure the peace and good order of the society they designed to form and sending a copy of it to all their acquaintance told them that any gentleman's daughter whose character was unblemished might if she desired it on those terms be received into that society I begged, if it was not too much trouble, to know what the regulations were. The first rule, continued Mrs. Maynard, was that whoever chose to take the benefit of this asylum, for such I may justly call it, should deposit in the hands of a person appointed for that purpose, whatever fortune she was mistress of, the security being approved by her and her friends, and remaining in her possession. Whenever she leaves the society, her fortune should be repaid her, the interest in the meantime being appropriated to the use of the community." The great design of this was to preserve an exact equality between them, for it was not expected that the interest of any of their fortune should pay the allowance they were to have for their clothes. If any appeared to have secreted part of her fortune, she should be expelled from the society. Second, each person to have a bedchamber to herself, but the eating parlor and drawing room in common. Thirdly, all things for rational amusement shall be provided for the society, musical instruments of whatever sort they shall choose, books, tents for work, and in short conveniences for every kind of employment. Fourthly, they must conform to very regular hours. Fifthly, a housekeeper will be appointed to manage the household affairs, and a sufficient number of servants provided. Sixthly, each person shall alternately, a week at a time, preside at the table, and give what family orders may be requisite. Seventhly, twenty-five pounds a year shall be allowed to each person for her clothes and pocket expenses. Eighthly, their dress shall be quite plain and neat but not particular, nor uniform. Ninthly, the expenses of sickness shall be discharged by the patronesses of the society. Tenthly, if any one of the ladies behaves with imprudence, she shall be dismissed, and her fortune returned likewise if any should by turbulence or pettishness of temper disturb the society, 
it shall be in the power of the rest of them to expel her a majority of three parts of the community being for the expulsion and this to be performed by balloting eleventhly a good table and everything suitable for the convenience of a noblewoman shall be provided these were the principal articles and in less than two months a dozen persons of different ages were established in the house who seemed thoroughly delighted with their situation at the request of one of them who had a friend that wished to be admitted an order was soon added by the consent of all that gave leave for any person who would conform exactly to the rules of the house to board there for such length of time as should be agreeable to herself and the society for the price of a hundred pounds a year fifty for any child she may have twenty for a maid-servant and thirty for a man the number of this society is now increased to thirty four ladies board there one of whom has two children and there are five young ladies the eldest not above twelve years old whose mothers being dead and their families related to some of the society their kinswomen have undertaken their education these likewise pay a hundred pounds a year each it has frequently happened that widow ladies have come into the society till their year of deep mourning was expired with these assistances the society now subsist with the utmost plenty and convenience without any additional expense to my good friends except a communication of what this park affords as our steward provides them with everything and has the entire direction of the household affairs which he executes with the most sensible economy i should imagine said i it were very difficult to preserve a comfortable harmony among so many persons and consequently such variety of tempers certainly answered mrs maynard it is not without its difficulties for the first year of this establishment my friends dedicated most of their time and attention to this new community who were every day either at the hall or these ladies with them endeavouring to cultivate in a sisterhood that sort of disposition which is most productive of peace by their example and suggestions for it is difficult to give unreserved advice where you may be suspected of a design to dictate by their examples and suggestions therefore they led them to industry and showed it to be necessary to all stations as the basis of almost every virtue an idle mind like fallow ground is the soil for every weed to grow in and it vice strengthens the seed of every vanity flourishes unmolested and luxuriant discontent malignity ill-humour spread far and wide and the mind becomes a chaos which it is beyond human power to call into order and beauty this therefore my good friends labour to expel from their infant establishment they taught them that it was the duty of every person to be of service to others that those whose hands and minds were by the favours of fortune exempt from the necessary of labouring for their own support ought to be employed for such as are destitute of these advantages they got this sisterhood to join with them in working for the poor people in visiting and admonishing and teaching them wherever their situations required these services for they found that any of these ladies had a taste for gardening drawing music reading or any manual or mental art they cultivated it assisted them in the pleasantest means and by various little schemes have kept up these inclinations with all the spirit of pursuit which is requisite to preserve most minds from that state of languidness and inactivity whereby life is rendered wearisome to those who have never found it unfortunate by some regulations made as occasions occurred all burdensome forms are expelled the whole society indeed must assemble at morning and evening prayers and at meals if sickness does not prevent but every other ceremony's dependence is banished they form into different parties of amusement as best suit their inclinations and sometimes when we go to spend the afternoon there we shall find a party at cards in one room and another some at work while one is reading aloud and in a separate chamber a set joining in a little concert though none of them are great proficients in music while two or three shall be retired into their own rooms some go out to take the air for it has seldom happened to them to have less than two boarders at a time who each keep an equipage 
while others shall be amusing themselves in the garden or walking in the very pleasant meadows which surround their house as no one is obliged to stay a minute longer in company than she chooses she naturally retires as soon as it grows displeasing to her and does not return till she is prompted by inclination and consequently well disposed to amuse and be amused they live in the very strict practice of all religious duties, and it is not to be imagined how much good they have done in the neighborhood, how much by their care the manners of the poor people are reformed, and their necessities relieved, though without the distribution of much money, I say much, because, small as their incomes are, there are many who impart out of that little to those who have much less. Their visits to us are frequent, and we are on such a footing that they never impede any of our employments. My friends always insisted when they waited on the community that not one of the sisterhood should discontinue whatever they found her engaged in. This gave them the hint to do the same by us, and it is a rule that no book is thrown aside, no pen laid down at their entrance. There are always some of us manually employed who were at leisure to converse, and if the visit is not very short, part of it is generally spent in hearing one of the girls read aloud, who take it by turns through a great part of the day. The only difference made for this addition to the company is a change of books that they may not hear only part of a subject, and begin by a broken thread. Thus they give no interruption, and therefore neither trouble us, nor are themselves scrupulous about coming, so that few days pass without our seeing some of them, though frequently only time enough to accompany us in our walks, or partake of our music. "'Have you not,' said Lamont, "'been obliged to expel many from the community? "'Since you do not allow petulancy of temper, nor any lightness of conduct, "'I should expect a continual revolution.' by no means answered mrs maynard since the establishment of the community there has been but one expelled and one finding she was in danger of incurring the same sentence and i believe inwardly disgusted with a country life retired of her own free choice some more have rendered themselves so disagreeable that the question has been put to the ballot but the fear of being dismissed made them so diligent to get the majority on their side before the hour appointed for decision arrived that it has been determined in their favour and the earnest desire not to be brought into the same hazard again has induced them to mend their tempers and some of these are now the most amiable people in the whole community as for levity of conduct they are pretty well secured from it by being exposed to few temptations in this retired place some as in the course of nature must happen have died and most of them bequeathed what little they had towards constituting a fund for the continuation of the community more of them have married some to persons who knew them before others to gentlemen in the neighbourhood or such as happened to come into it to whom their admirable conduct recommended them i could not help exclaiming in what a heaven do you live thus surrounded by people who owe all their happiness to your goodness this is indeed imitating your creator and in such proportion as your faculties will admit partaking of his felicity since you can nowhere cast your eyes without beholding numbers who derive every earthly good from your bounty and are indebted to your care and example for a reasonable hope of eternal happiness i will not said mrs maynard give up my share of the felicity you so justly imagine these ladies must enjoy though i have no part in what occasions it when I reflect on all the blessings they impart, and see how happiness flows, as it were, in an uninterrupted current from their hands and lips, I am overwhelmed with gratitude to the almighty disposer of my fate, for having so mercifully thrown me into such a scene of felicity, where every hour yields true heartfelt joy, and fills me with thanksgiving to him who enables them thus to dispense innumerable blessings, and so greatly rewards them already by the joyful consciousness of having obeyed him. The ladies at this time were at too great a distance to hear our conversation, for not choosing to be present while their actions were the subjects of discourse, they had gradually strayed from us. 
upon inquiring of my cousin whether the persons in the large community we had been talking of brought any fortunes with them she told me that most of them had a trifle some not more than a hundred pounds that in general the ladies chose to admit those who at least as their necessities were greatest except where some particular circumstances rendered protection more requisite to others that the house not being large enough to contain more than were already established in it they have been obliged to refuse admission to many and especially some young women of near two thousand pounds fortune the expensive turn of the world now being such that no gentlewoman can live genteelly on the interest of that sum and they prefer the society to a retirement in a country town some who wish to board have likewise been refused as the expenses of the community fall so far short of their expectation and the sums appropriated for that purpose they determined to hazard another of the same kind and have just concluded a treaty for a still larger mansion at about three miles distance and by the persons now waiting for it they have reason to believe it will not be less successful than the other nor more expensive but should they be mistaken in that particular they have laid aside a fund sufficient to discharge it their scheme i find is to have some of the ladies down to millennium hall as soon as they have made the purchase and there they are to remain while the necessary repairs and additions are making to the house designed for their habitation which they imagine will not be completed in less than half a year they hope by having the first admitted part of the community thus in the house with them for so long a time to compensate in a good degree for the disadvantages of being settled so much farther from them the sisterhood of the other society likewise in pity to those who were exposed to the same sufferings from which they had been delivered have offered to crowd themselves for a few months to leave vacant rooms for some who are destined to the other house till they can be there accommodated these also will be fitted for their new way of life and taught to aim at the happiness enjoyed in this community by the same means that they have attained to it our subject ended with our walk Supper was served as soon as we entered the house, and general conversation concluded the evening. Had I not been led by several facts to repeat already so many conversations, I should be induced not to bury all that passed at this time in silence. But though I have taken the liberty, when the relation of facts naturally led to it, to communicate such discourses as were pertinent to the subject, it would be presuming too far on your time to repeat conversations which did not serve to illustrate any particular actions, however worthy they may be of recollection." I shall therefore only say that it was not with less reluctance I retired to my chamber at the hour of bedtime than the night before. End of section 6